You're listening to the Together Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on Together Church, you can visit our website at wearetogether.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9, it says this, He who has a what? Generous eye. (laughs) I didn't plan that, I promise. He who has a generous eye will... Be, and what's the word? Blessed. So we break this this verse down. It says that if you have a generous eye, you will be blessed. Now, you got to have an eye for generosity, though. You know, some of you have a great eye for, like, what good food is. Some of you have a good eye of fashion. Some have a good eye of, I don't know, what what design's supposed to be, photography. Like, I don't know if y'all know Cameron that plays guitar. He's a photographer and a graphic designer. And he'll see things sometimes and take a picture and post it. And I can take the same picture. And mine looks like trash. And his looks like it belongs like an art gallery somewhere. Matter of fact, we have one of his prints uh, hanging in our office that was so good. Uh, he didn't even discount it. He gave us full price for it. Isn't he generous? But he has an eye for photography. And that, that comes along, and any, and any photographer will tell you that it takes time to develop an eye for knowing what to capture. They can look at anything, and they can take pictures, even in this room, to make this room look like it's massive, and that we have this massive stage, and there are thousands of people in the room. It's all about getting an eye on, on photography. So you develop that over, over time. And... Here in Proverbs, it's telling us that we can develop this generous eye. Like we can have a generous eye when it comes to seeing opportunities to be generous to those that are around us. But we got to have this mindset that we can see these opportunities as they present present themselves. Now, if our eyes aren't on Jesus, we will miss opportunities to see generosity being able to be used through us, right? So this is something that we have to develop. And the way that we would develop our eyesight on generosity is to continue to look at Jesus as our eye chart, as he strengthens our eyes. Y'all remember going to the eye doctor and you would sit down and they'd put the little machine in front of your face, one or two? And you're like, one? And you know half the time, like, you're just, you have no clue if that looks better or not. And I feel like they're messing with us a lot of the times. But it's like one or two, two, five or six, seven. That wasn't an option, six. Seven or eight, now seven. You know, it's just like, now what are they doing? They're trying to get the eyes perfectly on that chart. And a lot of times when it comes to generosity, that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to constantly get our eyes to focus in on where his heart is. And so the Bible's telling us that when we have this generous eye, that we begin to see things differently. And when we have a generous eye, we will be blessed. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a promise of God. It's not just some random statement that is in the scriptures. God is telling us, if you will learn to see things through the lens of generosity, there will be blessing on the other side of this. And so in week one, we we said this, that Jesus said that if you'll give, it will be given unto you, right? So he says, if you give, it'll be given unto you. He says, too, that when you give, you will be blessed. Remember, he talked about the basket being like 
everything shoved down and packed in is the blessings that God wants to give his people. And when you give, you will be blessed. The bottom line is this, though. We can sometimes get a distorted perspective of things, right? All it takes is like one little thing. I, I went to a South Carolina football game uh, years ago, uh, me and a friend of mine, and he said, man, I got us some great seats. It was going to be hot that day, and it was right underneath the press box where the roof is. You Gamecock fans know what I'm talking about? Like, those are good seats. And I sat down. Problem was, with my seat, there was a column sitting right in front of me. Like, everything that happened from the 20-yard line into the end zone, I couldn't see it. Now, my buddy on the other side saw the whole thing. I couldn't see it. There wasn't a whole lot of action going on in the end zone for us that day, so it really didn't matter. But it's amazing how this little two-foot concrete pole blocked my perspective of seeing 20 yards worth of action going on because it's, it, was, it was killing my perspective of what I was trying to see. When it comes to generosity, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to put things in our way to distort our vision and distort our perspective of what it is. And sometimes th those, those excuses can be the very thing the enemy uses, or I don't have enough, or I don't think God really cares, or you know, those things. Or I've given before, but I don't know that I can trust giving to a church. I don't know that God really cares about my money. Those are all blockages that the enemy puts in front of us to not be able to see with generous eyes. Greed, pride, all these things. And so what, what we are learning is the enemy wants us to distort this because he wants to distort our relationship and our understanding of blessing. People get all uptight when you start telling them that God wants to bless them because they'll put it one or two ways. They'll, they'll say, oh, this must be prosperity gospel. Well, it's not. The Bible clearly states that God wants to bless you. The prosperity is that God wants to bless you. The problem is that theology gets hijacked to go to another level to say God wants to bless me, so if I'll give him money, then he's going to bless me back and I'll be rich. That's the wrong approach. You ever notice the pastors that preach that? It's really interesting. They, they tell you, if you give, God wants to bless. And, because, and then what happens is you give, and they make a lot of money, and they live this luxurious lifestyle to continue pushing their theology of, look, see, God does want to bless you. And people just keep on. You ever thought that was interesting? Okay. Now, maybe it's just me. I, sometimes I look at these people and like, hmm, <laughs> seems to be working for you, but not everybody else. But our spiritual enemy wants that, distort, that distortion. And sometimes he'll use false teachers to do that. That, that he'll put right in your way of helping you not understand that God truly, truly wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. And so I want to show you there are two wrong attitudes or two wrong mindsets when it comes to the blessings of God. And I think if you know these mindsets and can guard yourself against them, you'll do a lot better of understanding that God truly wants to bless. And he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Here's mindset number one is our pride, our pride. Jesus confronted this very early on um, with the attitude of pride. And he's, in the book of Revelation, he's speaking to a church of Laodicea. And this is the one that he says that, man, you're, you're neither hot or cold. Like, I would just spit you out of my mouth. Like, you're nasty. You leave a nasty taste. This is what he was saying to this church. In Revelation chapter 3, listen to these words. He says that, that you say that I am rich. And I have everything I want. This is what the people in the church were saying. I'm rich, and I've got everything that I want. 
But listen what happens next. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. See, pride says, I deserve this. This is all about me. I deserve this. I mean, of course this happened to me because I deserve it. Of course I'm blessed because I deserve it. Right? It's like riding around the license plate that says I'm blessed. It's better than God's my co-pilot. But, he, but he's saying that you're, you're sitting here with your attitude proclaiming as a follower you don't need anything, that you're rich and you're not dependent on anything but your material possessions. And this is Jesus speaking to them and correcting this attitude of pride. It's, it's a mindset. Because when you think that you don't need anything else and you've got everything you could ever want and, and that you don't need God because God didn't help you get this, that this was all you, then that damages the relationship of what God wants to bless you with. Because you don't see it as a blessing. You see that as the work of your hands. This is what I've done. And wouldn't you agree with me that we wouldn't be doing any of these things with our jobs if it wasn't for him gifting us and wiring us in those natures to be able to do those things? I mean, the old saying is that you can be anything you want. That's not true. I wanted to be a basketball player. Didn't happen. Wasn't tall enough and definitely don't have the skill for it. Right? But God has gifted me in certain ways. He's gifted you in certain ways. Some of y'all walk into classrooms and your teachers and you do an incredible job because you've been gifted in that. Some of you love going and working in like daycares with little kids. That would not work for me. I'm not gifted in that way. I don't have the gift of like, oh, it's going to be okay. No, you need a Band-Aid and go back and play on the slide. You're going to be okay, right? But we have our skills. We have things that God has gifted us with and we understand that our, that our purposes have been that God has, has, has set us up for these purposes. He's gifted us and wired us for these purposes. It makes all the difference because then when you realize that this is nothing that I'm doing, this is from God, you start to realize where the blessing is. But the moment that pride comes in, it, it's like a hose. It cuts the blessing off. Because why would God bless us with something that more when we can't steward what he's given us to start with, when pride gets in the way? So, so one of the things that, that will distort our blessings of God. One of the mindsets is pride. Now, here's the other one. The other thing that will cause it is shame. That's, that's on the other side of this, right? Like, it, you also have this, this mindset of shame. While some are proud of what they have, others are embarrassed by what they have. You ever notice this? Look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 32. This is Jacob, and Jacob's praying. It says, And Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O oh Lord, you told me to return to your own land and to your relatives. And you promised me, and I will treat you kindly. And I'm not worthy. You hear this? So God says, I'm going to bless you. And he goes, I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and the faithfulness that you've shown to me, your servant. And when I left home and I crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. See, he recognized what he had when he left. He didn't have anything. Just his walking stick. It was him and his walking stick leaving home, and now my households have been filled to large camps. I had nothing, and you've blessed me, and I don't deserve any of this. I don't need any of this. You know, it's, I feel embarrassed by all that I have because I went from being nothing to being something, and, and this is a mindset. So some people would say I earned it, I deserved it. Other people would say I'm a little embarrassed, I don't deserve this at all. Now you can test this when you compliment somebody on, like, let's say, a new shirt that they have. 
right? And some people will be like, oh, you like my new shirt? Well, I got it from this place, and it cost me this much. And they'll tell you all about the shirt, right? And then there's some people you'll ask and say, oh, I really like that shirt. Oh, this old thing? No, I got it on clearance, and I got it for, you know, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. It's an old shirt. It's not even, like, that great of a shirt. Y'all notice people that have those conversations? And which side do you find yourself on? Isn't it weird that we do this only with finances and material things? You would never, ever do this with your spouse. Think about it. Man, I tell you how great your wife is? Yeah, it's all right. I got her for cheap. Like, she was not. It was okay. Oh, you wouldn't do that, right? I hope not. If you do, we probably should talk after the fact. But we would, we would never get to a place where we would be embarrassed about our spouses. Why, do, why is it that we only get embarrassed about the material or the financials that we have? Like, when we feel like we don't deserve this, it's too much. And, and it's okay. There's, there's a humble piece to this of saying, yeah, I understand that I didn't deserve this and, and I don't get this, but I'm not going to be embarrassed by it. I'm going to allow God to use the resources that he's given me to bless other people. And I'm going to see a need and I'm going to meet that need. And if it's, if it's a grill that I have, I'm going to cook and let somebody borrow that grill. If it's because I've got a big space at my house, I'm going to let people use that big space. I'm going to use everything that I have, every little thing, every big thing, I'm going to allow God to use that so that we can further his kingdom. Does that make sense? It's a lot easier to take it that way, isn't it? Because a lot of times we only think about the financials. But God wants every resource. He wants to, he's given us to steward every resource, our money, our time, the giftings that we have. Like he wants you to use that to further his kingdom. But a lot of times when it comes to this, we, we use those things to further our kingdom, to give ourselves status. And if we're not careful, we will allow this whole shame thing to keep us from truly seeing the blessings of God. Because you'll convince yourself that it's not that big of a deal. And I'm here to tell you that anything that God has given you is a big deal. Because he has set you up. He has set you up to point people towards him, to show people who he is through your generosity. He set the ultimate example of generosity. When he sent Jesus, his most prized possession, his son, he sends on a cross to pay a price for us. He watched his son be brutally murdered in front of him so that you and I could have a relationship with him. That was generosity at its finest moment. Now, you will agree, I asked you this question in the beginning of, of this whole series, is that we all have agreed that we've been blessed, correct? And, and I would say in looking at others throughout the world, we have been incredibly blessed, right? We got up this morning and we had running water. I hope you did. But we have running water. We, we can send our kids to schools. We can hopefully get them home from school, from the buses, but we'll figure that out later. But we have these opportunities that other people woke up this morning and did not have. You woke up with heat. You woke up in a bed. Others woke up on a dirt floor with no kind of air control whatsoever. Like we, we live a very blessed life life and it's so easy for us to complain like I learned my lesson the other day when I saw uh, we were we were trying to get back from Mount Pleasant and there were a ton of 18 wheelers in front of us through these shipping containers 
And I had already complained once earlier, like a couple of weeks ago, and I realized that I was complaining about the very thing that I was complaining about, that our shipping containers weren't moving. And here I am complaining because I'm stuck behind traffic of shipping containers that are actually going out, getting to the places that I need to get to buy from. Isn't it funny how that happens? I was thanking God for every container that I saw yesterday. Every container. Thank you, Jesus. So he didn't bless you because you earned it and you deserved it, and he didn't bless it to make you feel good about yourself. Um, he, what he did was he blessed you to bless other people. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, who was very corrupt at the time. And he says, yes, you will be enriched in what? What's that word? You'll be enriched in not just financially. I think we get so caught up and so stuck on money that we miss the fact. And I think that if all you think about when it comes to generosity is money, you also have set yourself up for a mindset that blocks you from truly seeing the blessings of God. Because there's some emotions that he wants to bless in your life. There's some things spiritually that he wants to bless in your life. There's some relationships that he wants to bless in your life. And we get so stuck on the money. And then when God doesn't give us the money, we feel like that he didn't want to bless us. When instead, he was over here the whole time trying to get our hearts right. And trying to get us in a better place emotionally. And bless us emotionally. Or blessing us with all these friends. And these relationships. And we missed it because we were so stuck on the one thing. And he says that you'll be enriched in every way so that there's always a catch right that you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be what he is trying to flow something through you he's saying i want to bless god wants to bless you in every way so that you can always be generous in other words I don't have to question whether I have it or not to bless people. God's filling that bank account up in the material, in the emotions, in the relationships, that I don't ever have to worry about uh, depleting that account of the blessings that I can give people. He's asking me to grab it and, and take it. Grab it and give it. Grab it and give it. When we deal with God's economy in the blessing department, there's never a shortage. You're never going to overdraw. I don't think that God's going to punish you for being overly generous to somebody. Right? Well, if I give this $5 to this homeless guy, he's just going to run that liquor store. But did Jesus tell you to give that $5 to that guy? So if he goes to that liquor store, that's between him and Jesus. Right? He's asking you to release some things. He can't give you more if you don't release what you have. And he's trying to get you to release what it is you have. And the, and the way we release that is blessing. Of giving blessing, giving blessing, giving blessing. So he says, so that he's going to enrich every part of you so that you can always be generous. And you ready for this part? And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they'll do what? They'll thank God. In other words, they'll be blessed. And, and I'm going to take what I have. God has blessed me with everything and I'm, I have all this stuff. He's enriched me so that I can be a blessing. And then this next part says that when those gifts get taken to the people that need them, they will thank God. In other words, God will flow his blessings through you to touch the lives of other people. Sometimes you only have to be the conduit to hand off what he's given you. You don't even have to do anything. 
So the ne next week when we get these Christmas stockings, you're going to purchase some stuff for a child you've never met before. And you're going to be the conduit that's going to go from, your, from God's hand to your hand to the people at Low Country um, Orphan Relief. And what they're going to do is they're going to take that and they're going to be a direct handoff flow through you and people are going to be blessed because of it. That's, that's the gospel. That, that's that's the, whole, the whole gospel is God flowing things through his people. Our fruits of the Spirit, our love, joy, peace, pain, that's God flowing that through us to other people. That's what I mean by being a steward. Like, do we steward the material and the, the emotional and the spiritual the way that God has commanded us to? Because that flow doesn't happen if we say, oh, God wants to bless us and enrich us in every way, and you stop that verse right there. When you stop that verse right there, you rob yourself of the blessing, and you rob other people of the blessing. And sometimes the blessing to other people is at least acknowledging that there is a God. And that can come through our generosity. So he says that they will think God. So we have to remember, first of all, where our blessings come from. We have to remember why we're blessed, because God's blessed us with more, so we will intentionally give. God wants us to be intentional about our giving. Like if we have this generous eye and we see the needs, we see a need, we meet the need. Well, I don't, I don't know that I can fully meet it. You may not be called to fully need it. You, you might be called just to start the process. Sometimes blessing other people is more about you than it is the person that's being blessed. Because God's trying to shake some stuff in you. He's trying to create some, I trust you more than I trust everything else that I have. I trust you more than any resource that is sitting in my garage collecting dust. I trust you more than any dollar or penny that is sitting in my bank account. I trust you and I'll put all my faith in what it is that you have called me to do. So let me, real quickly, I want to give you three types of givers. And these are going to be three steps. This is a starting point and then to an extravagant point. But there are three types of givers. Here's the first one. There's a spontaneous giver. Spontaneous givers. This is not a bad thing, but these are people that just spontaneously give. Right? This is, I see a need, I get it, I, I help it, I give to it, whether it's time, talent, or your giftings. But what happens is when we are spontaneous, we limit what it is that God wants to do through us financially, through our giftings, through our time. We, 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 very, we limit what we can do because we only do it spontaneously, so we're not living in the moment. In, in Luke chapter 10, there's a Samaritan man that runs across an injured guy. You remember this story? A lot of people have overlooked this guy. But, but there was one, the Samaritan, who was walking, and in Luke chapter 10, he says this, the next day he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, look, look after this guy, and when I return, I'm going to reimburse you for any extra expense that you have. Now, this guy, was, he was generous, he, he, he was blessed, and he gave spontaneously. He was like, look, there's a need, I can fill this need. I'm going to help this guy. And I didn't just help him physically. I bandaged him, I put oil on him, I put him on the donkey, I found him a place to stay, and I covered his charges so that he can heal, and then any overages that he had, if he wanted to take something out of the refrigerator in the motel room, I was going to cover that too, because I've realized that I've been blessed, and, and as a Samaritan person, Samaritans understood, by the way, what it meant to be discriminated against, but he found a way to be generous. He saw a need and filled it. 
A lot of times needs will come up in our community and people will come, is there anything our church can do about it? And the answer is always yes. There's always something we can do. But sometimes the need comes up because there's something that you can do. Sometimes it's not a whole church thing. Sometimes it's a you thing. Sometimes it's God wanting you to meet it. And you might have the power of the church behind you in that, but sometimes it's God calling you to take that lead to bless people. Is that, you good with that? Like, so you can spontaneously give, and every time you see a need, you can just give. And those needs are great. Those needs are being blessed. Those great needs are great, but they're spontaneous. And when you do that, you limit. You limit. Here's the a, here's a second thing, and this is a step up in your next giving. So in the spontaneous, that's a good starting point for us, right? We, just, we start giving somewhere. We start giving somewhere. And then we have our second. It's called a strategic giver. Strategic. This is, this is back to what we said last week. I'm going to give my first and my best. I'm going to give my first and my best. This is very strategic. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 32, 8. He says this, is that, but generous people plan to do what is, what's the word? Generous. You, a plan. Like, generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in generosity. They plan it and they stick to the plan that we're going to be generous. This is strategic right? So, and what this would look like is for the, for the tithe, I'm going to return his tithe to him. And, and that is 10%. And, and you may not be at 10%. I, I get that. Some of you, may, maybe you're not in a place to give 10%. Maybe it's 1%. For over the next year of your income, you give 1%. That's a step forward. But you plan that in advance and you pray and you ask God, what is it that you want me to release and I want to strategically plan this, and I want to make sure that this happens. This is why I automate my giving, because I don't want to have to be stuck trying to make a decision, should I do this? I automate it and allow it to happen and know that God's using what we're giving. And it's the first, it's the first of the fruits that we give, right? But it's strategic. We sit down and we go, this is what we're going to make, and this is what we're going to give, and here's some moments along the way that we can give above and beyond that cause, and we can bless other people outside of our normal tithe and, and offerings. It's a strategic giving. I return his tithe through the, through the storehouse. I've planned. I have a strategy. I start there, and that's the beginning. you got to make a plan because, again, the enemy wants to put in the mindset that you don't need to worry about it, and he's going to rob you of the blessings that God wants to give you so that you can bless other people. you have a much better impact when you can release what you have because God will give you more to release. And by the way, when you start releasing these blessings, you got to remember this. You weren't the one that deserved the blessing, and you're definitely the one that can't take the credit for the blessing that you're handing out to somebody else. That's why I'm like, the church doesn't do anything. Jesus does everything through the church. He gets the glory. So if I'm standing on the other side going, look what our church did. We gave $14 million to you name it. Jesus is going, excuse me? That, where'd that 14 million come from, bro? That's just the way I think Jesus talks sometimes. Because I know it came from him. Right? Everything we do in our blessing should always be us pointing back to Jesus. Like, our, our giving statements should always point back to Jesus. The time that we spend serving our community and serving in our area should always point back to Jesus. If not, it's a really bad investment. Because this is about Jesus, and it's about celebrating him. And when we're strategic in our giving, 
we can, we can do that. So what, what we're saying here is a, st- a strategic giver thinks about it, and they, they put something into it. They put some time, they put some prayer, because a generous person plans. How can I use what God's given me this year to bless and to give and to help other people? And here's the third thing. And I still got six minutes. I'm doing good. We're going, we might finish early. Third. Oh, I figured y'all would amen that. That makes me feel better. Third, a sacrificial giver. This is the, this is the next step. Some start at spontaneous, and then you move to strategic, but then we get to where we're sacrificial. Like, yeah, we've planned this out, but there are just going to be some moments that we're just going to trust God and give to some things. We're going to give some extra time here. We're going to start a ministry. We're going to give some extra funding here. This is, this is us just being very, very strategic. There's a story in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Listen, Jesus is in the temple. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped money in to these boxes. In other words, Jesus is watching the offering happen. He wants to see where the hearts are. Who's dropping what in the thing? Who's making change in the offering box? That's what he's looking for. He says that many rich people put in what kind of amounts? Large amounts. Keep that in your mind. The rich people were putting in large amounts, as they should. Nothing wrong with that. But look at verse 42. He says, Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. You got large gifts and two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples because he was, you know, notice something about Jesus through the scriptures. He always sees opportunities like this as opportunities to teach, to connect the dots for his disciples. This is what we're supposed to be doing with people. Helping connect the dots. When bad situations happen or certain good situations happen, our goal is to connect the dots to that situation back to the Father. And this is what Jesus is doing. This is how we learn. So Jesus calls the disciples to him and he said, I tell you the truth, as if he was going to lie to them. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. Well, but their gifts were bigger. She gave two small coins. Verse 44 tells us the secret sauce in this. It says, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor, she's given everything that she had to live on. That's sacrificial giving. Now, here's what I am not saying with that verse, because I've heard pastors preach that verse and take it out of context. I am not telling you to get rid of everything that you have and cash in your 401Ks. That is not being a good steward. Because then you become somebody else's uh, support. Somebody else is going to be supporting you for the rest of your life, right? What he's saying is, if God told us to, would we do that? Is that where our heart is? Do we just tip a little bit or do we give everything we have? Well, I'm just going to give these five minutes. So I'm going to give, like, it's about the motive of the heart. We said in week one, generosity is a heart thing. Our hearts have to be aligned with that of God and we'll understand generosity better. When we don't let outside things influence that, we, we pray and we ask God what he wants us to do and how he wants us to be faithful in this. That, that's, that's where it all aligns. So when you give, it is where your heart is. Because where I find your heart is where your treasure is. Right? And so my challenge and my hope for you is that and these are really my hope, not because, again, Together Church doesn't need your money. What, what we 
what we need is for people to be aligned with the heart of God on this issue. As with everything else, with reading your Bible and praying and ministering to people and sharing the love of Christ with other people. This is what we want to equip. This is an equipping message. And I, and I just want to equip you because I feel like if we don't talk about these things, I don't like talking about them, right? I've had two cups of coffee this morning so that I could have the energy to talk about this. I hate talking about money. But Jesus talked about it more than hell because he knows what grips people. And here's my prayer. My hope is that you will, you will be a giver and that maybe you'll give spontaneously. Like that'll be your starting point. We just start giving something. And going into the new year, you'll sit down and pray about, God, we want to be very strategic with what you've given us. And, and pray and ask God what he wants you to give. Not just about your money, also about your time. We're going to talk about that next week. Oh, boy. But God, how much, you know, my time, how, how many hours a week do you want me to give to serve the local church or serve in a ministry or to, to give some time back through my giftings? And then praying of just sacrificing that you would have a heart that if God said do this, you would be okay with doing that. I heard a pastor one time tell me that he heard clearly from God to give his house away. I thought, bro, I would, I would have to have a lot of conversations with God. He said, yeah, but we gave it away. And then we got another one. And we started the whole process over again. And then God told us to give that one away too. I was like, man, is God connected to your local real estate agent? Like, what's, what's going on here? But he said that every time, every time, God blessed them. He said it, didn't, it wasn't a financial blessing. It was a blessing on us knowing how good he was. How good he was. And we felt perfect about our decisions. That's where I'm praying that our hearts could be. And by just my reaction of going, oh, we'd have to have a lot of conversation. That's an area that I have to work on a sacrifice. To be there. So let me pray for you. And ask God just to continue to to rattle your cage a little bit. I'm, I'm okay with you feeling tension. If you feel tension right now, that's fine. That's the Holy Spirit. He's trying to speak to you. He's trying to say something to you. Just trying to call for you to be obedient in whatever it is that he's asking you to do. So Father, I pray this morning, thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that we serve you and, and in our serving that you choose to bless us, but God, you also use us as a, as a way to bless other people and to minister to other people. And I just pray that as we have these conversations, that we would hear more from your heart and from your spirit than you would, than anybody else would hear from me. But that we would hear from you. And I just pray for our people. And in this time, as we stand and we sing, God, that the, the praises that we give back to you, that you would see those as acceptable. And we pray these things in your name. And everybody said,